Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Teacher's Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Maxine McFarlane. This is the first in a series focusing on the social emotional well being of students. And this idea came up because things have just changed so rapidly. I was looking forward to spring break and thinking about all the things that we were going to do. And then all of a sudden, schools were closed across the state. I felt like I was stuck. It was like an, a, a, a disruption that we didn't see coming, at least not that quickly. And things changed so rapidly that even as an adult, I found myself battling with so many different emotions. And it had me thinking about my students. As a matter of fact, I was able to connect with them online and just hearing them saying how much they missed me, how much they missed their friends. And just a sense of helplessness, like what am I supposed to do to support my students at this time? And I decided that I wanted to broaden the perspective and look at it from different angles. I have been blessed with three sons and they're all at different levels of education. And today I'm sitting down with my firstborn, my favorite firstborn child, um, to talk about how this COVID-19 pandemic has impacted him and his friends. I hope that this will give some insight to us and better help us to see how we can support or children during this time. So I'd like to welcome my firstborn, Malik, to the podcast. Malik, why don't you introduce yourself to the viewer, to the... (laughs) Malik, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Okay, so I am 19. I am a rising junior at Wake Forest University. I'm majoring in chemistry with a concentration in medicinal chemistry and drug discovery. I am... Uh, first year RA, I'm mainly working with uh, first year students and I tutor on campus, mainly in chemistry. Okay. All right, so let's focus on the social emotional well being. I really want to get a good pulse on how you and your friends are coping in this pandemic. So, how has this experience impacted your mental health and that of your friends? Okay. Um, The biggest thing that has been difficult about this transition into uh, COVID-19 and quarantine and all the things like that is that our courses have moved online and the way that our professors are switching to online makes it, I'd say, more difficult to learn um, because depending on how the teachers uh, set up their classes, they can be synchronous with the time that we would be uh, on campus. If I have a 10 o'clock class, I'll still be meeting on Zoom or WebEx or wherever at that time. But some of my classes are asynchronous. So it's just finish this by the certain date and that's it. Um, And Wake prides itself on being like a residential and a uh, professors are teaching their whole classes and face-to-face contact and all that stuff. So it 
definitely was a bit of a transition for both the students and the professors to try and go to an environment where that can't be the case anymore. Um, and as a result, it definitely feels like the work that we're doing now that I'm home is more than the work that I would be doing if I were on campus. And as a result, it can lead to me getting a little bit stressed about it. There were definitely peaks around when exams are coming up where I get really stressed. Um, and, and I can friends, just imagine yeah. that your friends are not all within the same time zone. Exactly. So um, one of my friends lives in Minnesota, and that's she's an hour behind, which isn't as bad for her. Um, but the Chinese students who go to school who manage to get back home during the uh, week or so that we had to transition, I know they're getting up at whatever time that is, maybe in the middle of the night to take exams if their classes in the same if their time if their classes meeting at the same time they would on the east coast so it that can be stressful i know some of my closest friends are just getting really stressed out over the fact that there's so much to do and it feels like there's less time to do it because the stuff that we would be doing during class time has to be done outside of it, along with the stuff that would already be happening outside of class. So, And um, I was just re looking forward. It seemed as if it wasn't so long ago. I was just looking forward to having you home for spring break. And even though our spring break didn't coincide, you you came home while your brothers and I were still having school. Yeah. But it we were just expecting you to be home for a week, and then you were to go back. And before we knew it, there was the email saying, okay, you get an extra week of spring break. I was still happy about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't mind having you home for two weeks instead of one. And then it was time, okay, you need to come grab some books and some stuff because yep. you're going to move to remote learning. So um, even though I am thankful that we're all under the same roof and you're home and all of that, I can see you going through the challenges because I'm here trying to... Um, be online with my students and you're trying to be in a live class with your professors yeah. and all of that. And then your two brothers are also in school. Yeah, it makes things difficult, especially because I am i haven't had to learn in this environment at home in two years because I'm on campus. So I adapted my learning to being on campus. Maybe I go to chemistry building or the library to study uh, or I was I rarely studied in my room, but I had more options. But now that I'm at home, there's really only two places I can study, my room or in the uh, dining room, which is essentially attached to the kitchen. And if someone's in the kitchen while I'm trying to do work, I'm getting background noise. If, like you said, if you're having your morning meeting with your kids, that's extra noise as well. Um, the boys are also in class as well from time to time. So it makes things, the environment isn't as conducive to learning. And then I'm also, I'm also still trying to adjust with having to learn in an environment that I haven't been in for two years consistently. And when I am here, I'm not learning. When yeah, I'm here, it's usually I'm you're home for a break yeah. and it's, yeah, it's relax and have fun. Yeah. And I don't really, I'm not trying to do any work at that point. So it was the first couple of weeks were a bit of a stretch to try and force myself to get the work done, which was unusual. 
Yeah. So I know now we've, we've kind of settled into a routine. It's still a juggling act in, in some respects, but you, you've really been handling it well. I, um, she adjusting and I, I, I know it still has its impact mm -hmm. and I'm happy we're able to talk about that today, but let's shift gears a little bit into, um, relationships. What are your relationships like now compared with how they were during the first semester? Now that you're not physically on campus mm. at Wake anymore, um, you could look at your relation. I know we, you kind of touched on um, a little bit the relationships here at home, but let's broaden that. You can go, you can talk about home too, but let's talk, start, um, start with your friends, your, your, your friends at school. Okay. Um, I think. Ironically, I think we've become my like close friend group has become even closer now that we're absent from each other, mm -hmm. um, which is ironic. Yeah, which is the opposite of what I expected completely, because I think this is such a unique uh, situation where it's happening. It's not like it's summer break. We're done with classes and we just go our separate ways and then we come back in August. It's that we were supposed to be here until May and now we got cut off in March and that's essentially the end of us seeing each other in person until whenever this situation is over. And but we're we relied on each other to study, to encourage each other when we got down and didn't feel like doing anything. Um, so now that we're back home and we may not be able to do a face to face, but we can still text each other in the group chat. We can still have like our own little Zoom meetings and uh, work on problems and keep each other up and motivated and stuff like that. Um, it's been really helpful for that. Also, for people who I wasn't necessarily super close with, but now that we're away from each other and we are going to meet each other even more, mm -hmm. more people have reached out to other classmates, whether it's me or if it's um, some of my other friends to try and get help, whether that was in my bio or in my uh, chemistry class. Okay, let's look at, at my next question. And then I think that will segue beautifully into how you took on a leadership role with your classmates. Okay. So tell, uh, let's talk a little bit about how supported you feel by your faculty and staff, now that you're going through distance learning. It's different, but let's mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that support piece. Okay. Um, I think that professors have done a pretty good job at transitioning from a face-to-face, -face, um, almost immediate feedback um, in terms of teaching, right, and the students could go and just talk to them straight up about whatever. If so they you were feel having, they're more accessible? They're more... Here, um, like if you were on campus, you'd have to make an appointment to, during their office hours, or...? Um, I feel like... I feel like they made... They, the transition to get to online was good, but I don't necessarily feel like they're more open. Maybe they're more open, but I don't think they're more adaptable. I think uh, that be they have more, they have more options to meet. But I think that because it's all new for everybody, they're not adapting to the fact that we're also dealing with the same stressors that they are. And Maybe because they're dealing with adult learners yeah. too. 
um, as as a teacher myself, it's it's almost like we're ex- we're extending grace, and I'm working with elementary age mm-hmm. students, but maybe your professors are thinking, well, these are adult learners, so the expectations are a little different. Do you think that might be a part of it? I'm just thinking about the like the course material would be the course material regardless. Okay, but it feels like the the stand I'm not saying they should lower the standard of excellence, but I'm saying there should be more grace given to students because the resources that we would have if we were on campus aren't there anymore mm-hmm. or as easily accessible. Uh, accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, so for like if I were having struggle, there's like a chemistry center on campus where if you were struggling with chemistry problems or different concepts, you could go there. Um, just find one of the tutors and then they would just help you for free. But that's not available now. Um, for my specific class, our, I guess our teacher assistant essentially became non-existent once we, once we went online. And our professor wasn't necessarily the best at adapting to the level of stressors that we're doing. And as a result, the course load is at the same level or even higher than when we were on campus. And for me, it's not necessarily an issue, but to see my classmates really struggling with the stuff that they were getting the hang of when we were on campus or barely hanging on while we were on campus and really struggling with it now is just a testament to the situation. But it's also, I think, a testament to the lack of adaptability in some of the professors as well. Yeah, but it's um, also worthy to note that your professors are also just yeah. learning these things. And um, one of the things I think we could address now is how you responded to that. Because um, I know you're preparing for um, finals not too long from now. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you're gonna be halfway through your college yeah. experience before we know it. Um, but as you're preparing for this and you're seeing your friends going through this, um, tell, tell me about how you took initiative and how you're taking initiative in, in this yeah. situation. So Because um, in fairness to your professors, they are seeing things from their perspective. They mm-hmm. can't know exactly how you're feeling as a student unless you say it, you know? So I think of, of my kids, they will readily say, Ms. McFarland, I don't get it. So mm-hmm. in the same way, uh, what kind of initiative yeah. are you taking? Yeah, I wanna I wanna clear up one thing that you were saying. I think the the only reason why I am as vocal about my I guess for lack of a better word, displeasure with the way that the professors are working is only because we have the ability to um ex- explain to the professors like outside of office hours or even emailing them. They're like, hey, I've, I've had people who told me that it's, they've emailed professors saying it definitely feels a little bit more rushed. We already lost a week um, at, from that extra week for spring break. They just, it was just another weekend. They didn't shift the final day of classes back a week. They just kept it the same. So we lost a week of um, potentially learning. And a lot of professors tried to compress that into one less week. So it felt like there was more course material to go over. But um, to the original thing that you were asking, uh, 
at the time that this idea came to my mind, my professor hadn't, normally whenever we have an exam, he has office hours and he has a review session before the exam. So we have the opportunity to ask any last minute questions, go over concepts, things like that. For at the time that he, my professor hadn't said that he was going to do that. And people were getting worried that we weren't gonna have one before this final exam, which was a good portion of our grade. And I understood why, like I understood, I understood their point of view on it. So I just, I decided that why don't we run it ourselves? So I pitched uh, the idea to my friends of having our own student run review session. And I would lead out on it. They said, that's a good idea. So I, um, I'm in the process of getting different concepts that people are struggling with. Um, one of my friends is currently in the process of making a like giant review sheet with things that were on each exam and mm -hmm. compiling it together. And so we should have, say about work. Yeah, so we have a, a thing that we can work off of in the review session instead of just sitting there awkwardly waiting for somebody to come up with something. Um, and then uh, I will share my screen and work out the problems. If I don't know what's going on, someone else who knows the information is more than willing to pop in and be like, hey, I know how to work this one. That's how we can do this one, things like that. So I think it's, uh, and I sent the email out to all of my um, classmates. My professor actually emailed me back yesterday asking me to let him know how it went. And um, I'm gonna email him once I do the first one and let him know how it went as well. Right. And I'm sure that was a relief <laughs> to your, your classmates. Yeah, because I know um, it was, it's really, it's really stressful. Finals week is already stressful every single semester. And add in the fact that now we're not able to be on campus with like all the resources, like I said before, that we normally have access to. Um, so it was, I, I totally understood. And I was also a little concerned about how it was going to go as well. So I felt, I feel like it would be a good idea to take the initiative. And if he offers one later, that's great. And if he doesn't, then we will have, we will have had at least two opportunities to ask whatever questions we want. It's good to see, um, it's also good to see that just by taking the initiative, you're supporting each other. You you had your, your thumb or you, on, on the pulse of what was happening with your classmates and you were able to address it. Yeah. Sometimes I think we look outward for, for emotional support mm -hmm. when it's right there within us. Yeah. Because, um, and I think it was good too because you were maybe not necessarily struggling in that area, but you were you still had enough awareness to recognize that that was something that was needed. Yeah, because it's it, it's easy. I think it's easy when you're in a position where you're not worried about the uh, issue at hand to be passive and say that it's not your problem. Um, but I always see it as you don't have anything to lose in this situation. Um, especially when it comes to something like academics for me is like, if I know the information, 
and there's somebody that doesn't know the information, I'm not going to lose anything if I share what I know yeah. with them. So there's no real loss for me if you're going to think about it in that pragmatic of a sense. But I also feel like if I have that information and I don't share it with them to at least give them a shot of knowing it, it's inherently selfish mm -hmm. because I'm not gaining any, I'm just doing it for because I don't feel like it. Right. So it, it, it didn't, it just never sits right with me that if I know what's going on and someone doesn't, I should I should explain what's going on to them. All right. Good things can come from bad situations. And this experience, for the most part, is not a good one. Mm -hmm. But can you think of a few good things that you can derive from this experience that we're going through? Um, yeah. Uh... One thing is that I have become more vocal about things that I uh, that I stand up for. Um, I think because now I don't have a lot of things to do besides school, I've been more aware of the news and things that have occurred. So I have become more uh, vocal about whether it's about my disagreements with certain policies are um, both on campus and in the world, in the country as a whole. I've been more vocal about saying those things to my friends, family, to other people on social media or whatever. Um, and taking action on those things. Use the example of the student review session. Like, I think that's a, that's, a testament of me becoming more vocal about things that need changing. Um, even though it is relatively small in scale, I think it's, for me, I know it's an improvement because I can tend to take a back seat on things and wait for someone else to start and then I'll take it from there. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing. Um, another thing that's been really good is that I, my physical health has gotten better because I've had time to go on runs or work out or um, as a de-stressor, I would go play bass. I would go play basketball with my brothers at maybe like two, three times a week or something like that. And it's really helpful to use that as a break. Um, and just to get out of the house when it's easy to get stir crazy if I'm in here for a week <laughs> and adding in just like doing school all the time. What would be your final word of encouragement for your peers going through the situation? Um, I think that if you can make it, I think that's one thing I could say is that if you can make it through this, whatever difficulties you go through next are gonna pale in comparison mm -hmm. to this. Um, I guess this is, this is gonna be something that we will be able to tell generations from now that we survived the pandemic and everything that well, not everything but a lot of things that we'll go through here on afterwards will just be easier to go through because we've gone through this and made it through it successfully um and the love successes can be defined in a bunch of ways but whether that's you're looking at your gpa and you got this gpa despite the fact that you weren't on campus and didn't have all the resources you wanted, or you 
of restore relationships or made relationships stronger despite not having the ability to be face-to-face to restore them. Um, things like that. Just looking at those things. And if you can make it through this, then whatever other obstacles come once this subsides are going to be minuscule. Right. I hope this um, situation shows us how resilient we can be mm-hmm. and that we'll come out stronger. All right, we're going to wrap this up, Malik, but I have three fun questions um, that are not related to this COVID-19 social emotional thing. Um, Just general questions. So first one, what inspires or motivates you as a person? Um, A lot of my motivation, I think, tends to be intrinsic because I'm just like, uh, I get, I'm very action oriented. Like if I, if I say I'm going to get something done, I'm going to do everything in my power to get it done. Um, especially when it's music, if it's uh, like medicinal related or uh, uh, something that is important to my identity. <laughs> so I get very, very like uh, tunnel visioned. Um, a good example of that is when uh, I was researching colleges and I literally spent a whole summer just researching yes, colleges. Yes, drove the whole family crazy with that spreadsheet. Yeah. Is like <laughs> at least 50 colleges on the spreadsheet and like every single statistic you could possibly want mm-hmm. on it? We remember oh so well. It was insane. <laughs> Never in, again. In hindsight, you can see. But you know what? I, I was having flashbacks to earlier than that. I was thinking of when you were maybe three or four. And we had a friend um, when we were living in Jamaica who was a radiologist. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, um, well, I think, yes, I remember we were at church and you, I think you bent down to pick something up and you hit your hand on the pew mm-hmm. and you got up and said something like, oh, mommy, I hurt my metacarpals. Is that what they're called? Yeah. <laughs> my metacarpals. And of course, her ears pricked up because mm-hmm. that's her field yeah and um she's she said you hurt your metacarpals i'm so sorry and then she said she used that as a way to start talking to you about bones and she mm-hmm. said and what is this one that's my patella and what is that one uh, and okay it went on and on and she went to work that following week and she scanned the the body from head to toe with all the bones and labeled them <laughs> <laughs> and you were at that age every week she would give you like a pop quiz mm-hmm. and you you were just so focused on learning all these bones at that age i'm like who is this child <laughs> this is yeah so you have yeah. always been intrinsically motivated yeah. all right next question what's a life lesson you can share with the world just something in your 19 years of life mm-hmm. that you've come to to learn and you think it's a good life lesson that you would want to share with others um I guess the the no I, I coined this and I hope I'm unique in this, but um the nobody did the somebody somewhere. Um that those the success that come that a person may have wasn't solely their ability. It was the people that they were surrounded by that supported them throughout their journey to get to that. Um, which has which is like a which leads to the idea of staying humble. Mm-hmm. throughout whatever levels of success that you get. And I think that's important to remember because it's easy to be like, oh, I'm a self-made person. And sure, you have, like, it requires work on your part. But to ignore the other people that were 
important in your progress is just like I think it's just bad. Like, yeah. And for somebody like you who is naturally intrinsically motivated, it could very easily have you thinking, you know what, I pull myself up by my own bootstraps. So it's mm-hmm. really beautiful to hear you say that. Um, even with your your self-motivated personality and all of that, you recognize that you cannot do it on your own. Yeah. All right. One last thing. This is your chance to tell me about your greatness. I know you've heard me all these years telling yeah. you about your greatness, but now... How would you like to be remembered? And I want you to keep it within the context of, of a college student. When college is over and your friends reflect on their relationships and experiences mm-hmm. with you, how would you like to be remembered? I guess I would want to be remembered as somebody who knew as many people as possible, but like on a personal level. Because like you can, being on a campus, that's relatively small like wake it's easy to know people's faces and because you'll see them every day but to know key facets about people's identity enough to where they feel comfortable enough to talk to you about whatever they want is um something that i think i've always i've tried to do once i got on campus and trying to know as many people as possible on a level that's more than just, hi, how are you, small talk. Um, Trying to get to know them on a personal level. Um, So that'd be something I would want people to remember me by. And then also the fact that I was multifaceted, that I was able to um, be interested in a a multitude of things and do all of them pretty well. Uh, Whether that was tutoring, whether that's leadership on campus, whether that's, being in this in the STEM field, or making and playing music like that, I'm more than just this one facet of mm-hmm. my college experience. That there's more dimensions to me. Okay, I really enjoyed this time talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been quite a few years since I've been in college, and you brought a fresh new perspective mm-hmm. that I hope that the listeners, especially the adults who have children your age. Mm-hmm can relate to and be better able to support. So thank you for being here. You're welcome. So I have two other sons that I hope to sit down and talk with um, about this same issue, social, emotional, and well-being going through this pandemic. And I hope you'll tune into that. So until next time, walk good and one love.